This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Next month, the Ocean will release their eighth full-length, Fanriozoic 2, Mesiozoic, Seniozoic. In 2018, the Ocean released Faniozoic 1, Paleozoic, the first half of a sprawling but superbly cohesive paleontology concept album. Now the group is ready to release their eagerly awaited concluding parts of the Fanriozoic journey. Purchase your copies now at metalblade.com slash the ocean. Once again, Fanriozoic 2, Mesiozoic, Seniozoic. Purchase your copy now. Metalblade.com slash the ocean. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hello, friends out there. It is I, your host, Petra Spice. I'm always joined by... My name is Brandon Hahn, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at your buddy Gooch. And... Jocelyn Sharp. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Jocelyn Sharp. That's at J-O-Z-A-L-Y-N, sharp like a sharp knife. And make sure to follow our other co-host, Sylvia Alvarado, at It's the Sylvia on Twitter and Instagram. If you guys want to follow me, I am at Rise to Offend on Facebook and Twitter. Rise to Offend official on Instagram. This week, back on the show, we got Robin from The Ocean. I'm sure many of you know The Ocean is one of my favorite bands of all time, so always welcome to get it back on the show. We are here to talk about the second part of the Fanriozoic albums. Fanriozoic 2, Mesozoic, Cenozoic. It's coming out September 25th. Guys, make sure you're pre-ordering and pick it up. Fucking, like I said, one of my favorite bands of all time, but the, the record is amazing. We will be playing a track after the interview. Now, guys, we had some really sad news, but this was kind of a happy day for us. So we're going to talk about our day, and then I'll address that sad news at the end of the interview after we hear some songs. So what is today, Brandon? Today is Petr Speich's 40th birthday. Foro. Oh, Quarente. I get, you're just getting, you're, like, you're, you're saving your money, you're getting more racist. I mean, that's what happens when people get older. From what I gather, that's what they tell me. I anyway. thought it just means you can't get hard anymore. One, one of those too. things are true. Actually, that's not. I'm not. Gonna say that. I love that you said one of those things easy. are true. After I, said I said it after that. she said that. Right. One of the things Brandon said are true. Zero of the things Jocelyn said are true. We'll bring it up when I'm 41. Well, you know, or we'll let we'll let you know if it's down. Well, look, whatever. And as uh, and, and your birthday present is you've mm. been wanting this for weeks, Brandon. Um, New what? sounder. What? That should be the Our opening company. song to every news show. Seriously, that's on the television. We almost have show. to talk about rape, racism, or which, <laughs> or which murder, rock stars rapping yeah. uh, every other week, right? Uh, yeah. Well, okay. I yeah. will, we could hate on it if it wasn't accurate. That's what I'm saying. It's like what I just brought up <laughs> is what we cover on this show. Well, no, I think that's what news is. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's it. It's all yes. six topics. Yeah. There's every only channel. six topics you're yeah. allowed to talk about on news. Yeah. Oh, man. Ageism. You got to throw that. No, that was, that was a good sounder. Thank you. Can you play it one more time for me? Sure. Why not? 
Yeah, I like how it starts off. No. Yes, I love it. Here we go. It's a buildup. Who's dying? No. Who's fighting? No. Who's dying? No. No. Who's racist? No. Who's raping? No. Who's rapping? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Those this, six topics. This sounds <laughs> like a, a producer at like a local news channel got his like nephew a job. Well, <laughs> right out of high school. This is actually from my. <laughs> this is actually from my band, Full Blown AIDS, and we're gonna be. You know that was a bl- band by Seth Putnam before <laughs> really? you thought about it. Just really? so you know, yeah, yeah. Aids. didn't wow. know that. I was doing didn't my research. Well, now I feel a little let down. I was doing my research on Seth Putnam, RTO fans, hints, hints, and uh, yeah, a full. Blown AIDS was a band he did. So, and uh, I actually got Pete uh, another present, and that's actually a new episode of Rise to Offend. Yeah, yes. that's what we're gonna do this week. We are gonna do that. So that's coming up. And it's and a then, juicy. It's a juicy one. And and as an added bonus, the boys got a hold of me. The boys are my sons. Boys from the womb. That's that's well, yeah. I mean, yeah. From it's my, what their rap collective is called. Yeah, exactly. Boys, boys, from, the boys from the womb is their <laughs> yeah, name. Boys with a Z. Boys yeah. with a Z. Boys. Who's rapping? Boys in the womb. <laughs> boys with a Z in the, yeah. and the O in the womb is a magic eight ball. Thank you. My, my, I was uh, actually going to make it boys in the W O O O W O O M. Womb. Boys in the womb. Yeah, womb. We're wombing. Like Wu Tang. Like Wu Tang. But now what? W U. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I got it. I got and uh, and and here's the thing, man. Like Briscoe's the, four now, so he's he's very articulate. And Dio, Dio just turned one. Yeah, he's he's a uh, 13 months. He got his one year shots yesterday and cried like a baby. Oh man, four shots he, to the leg. He's a, a baby. Oh <laughs> shit, do it. Yeah. You don't ever hear anybody go, man, he cried wow. like a 40-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this baby's really crying like a baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What so, I, I, I see my baby, reference If a baby cried, good. if a baby cried, if a baby was like, <laughs> like you cry like a 40-year-old <laughs> man. Is that how you cry, <laughs> Yeah, this has been the, this voice I've had since baby, you know, <laughs> it's a <laughs> You got to understand, Dio's rap voice, nobody's going to think he can cry, is my point. Oh, they're not capable of crying, hey, these guys. Hey, even the toughest men are capable yeah, of Yeah, first emotions. off, you're ruining your Don't kid's image. Don't be mm. toxically masculine. Dio? Yes. Dio's amazing. He's, I know. He's, he's the toughest. He, dude, he's running these streets. He's but, a bamf. But you, this is the he's also got. 99 percentile in weight. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. He's a junkie monkey. He's a junkie monkey. <laughs> yeah, dude, they give you the paper, 99 percentile in weight. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right, buddy. He's eating a candy bar. Yeah, his, legs, <laughs> his legs look like three so balloons cute. pushed together. Like It's like because they, 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 they squish. I have never wanted to squeeze anything I yeah more. there's like levels to his legs he's got like one thing here Thank like you. one roll here one roll here <laughs> yeah. and then foot you know but <laughs> i play a game where i i take my hand and i run it over the rolls of his legs yeah. and i go i go look look hot banana hot banana and then i put the hot Aww. banana there and he grabs it and then he puts it in his mouth cute. it's crazy and how it's just like do- it's just like i'm stealing his leg fat how about you this how about i this? do think how you're about encouraging you- poor eating behaviors. yeah i think you should play hot <laughs> celery instead yeah play hot radish instead. Uh, <laughs> i'm not the guy that's gonna give anybody a good diet <laughs> yeah i'm sorry we can confirm that yeah. as we see the food yeah. that you bring in yeah you don't bring in you i eat skittles for dinner we don't want to talk about this. Exactly. Why are you skimmy? You shouldn't be. I skimmy. work out a oh, lot. Yeah, that's right. that's, the, that's really it. A lot. I mean, yeah, a decent then, amount for for my diet. I think that's yeah. the only reason I'm skinny. You must work out all day long to no. work the way you because you eat insane. No, Pete mm. eats like me though. Because I eat once I, a day. I, that's the problem. I eat but it's once insane. Twice it's or, oh, no. Once oh, or yeah. twice a day. Because what what happens for me is like I, I get well, I'm working or I get started on something, and then and then all of a sudden I'm running around for five six hours. And I'm like, why do I have a headache? And I and everything's blurry. Yeah, and then you gotta, you gotta and have then you your, have to drink caffeine. Yeah, yeah then, I'm the same way. <laughs> <laughs> then you have to have your <laughs> afternoon cry. <laughs> 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 
I've actually done that. Did I eat today? Oh, like give me a coffee, and it's like I'm, yeah, I think I'm better. I, yeah, I totally have forgotten. Yeah. So yeah, my diet skills. I know what that's but like this is the one thing I, I want to point something out to you guys though mm. with Briscoe Dino. Um, they've they haven't given up the rap game, but they decided to. Uh, get into the folk game. Oh, yeah. This they've, is going to hurt my. Oh, they're branching feelings. out. Yeah, they're branching out. Well, they'll get to metal by the time they're fifteen or yeah. eighteen. Yeah, so by the time they're... by the time they learn how to play and actually, you know. Mm-hmm. 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 So here you go. You know, Dad, you're a real motherfucker. I mean that in the literal sense because you grabbed my mom and fucked her. She was never the same after that. Son of a bitch. <laughs> and you didn't wreck the pussy, you kind of left her wanting. She got so bored that she couldn't stop yawning. Most women complain about the size of the boat, but it's your motion that's terrible. No disrespect, but she's a classy lady. If she were a quarterback, she'd be Mom Brady. And you'd be Terry Sadshaw. Think about that. You said condoms are for dummies and you nutted all a mummy. Nine months later came a sunny. Now I'm spending all your money on them. Hoes, weed, and guns. Hoes, weed, and guns. You made two gangsters. I'll do them a favor. The least you can do is fund their behavior. Get hoes, weed, and guns. All right. Met a motherfucker twice. Mama let you put more sperm in her, and now I have a life. Hey, thanks for that, by the way. <laughs> That's a high five. I'm one year old, and I got two kids. And the moms don't want money; they just want dick. They don't even ask it for child support. Incredible. <laughs> you call yourself dad, but you're more like a servant. So here's a dookie-filled diaper, and yes, you deserve it. But get to work, you Terry Sadshaw-looking-ass bitch. You said kind of. Up for dummies, and you nutted all a mummy. Nine months later came a sunny. Now I'm spending all your money on hoes, weed, and guns. Hoes, weed, and guns. You made two gangsters not do them a favor. The least you can do is fund their behavior. Get hoes, weed, and guns. We're not asking for much, just bitches and drugs. The greenest of noms, a bazooka with love. Get hoes, weed, and guns. Oh. And we've lost all our listeners. No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> they're gone. They're lighting a candle for Wait, you. You right like now. listening to a fat baby play bongos? Yeah. <laughs> what was that? I don't know what that was. <laughs> it was a shaker. Did I hear the bongos, you or was that bongos? just me? There was the there was bongos. I don't. There's understand. only so much you could do with a like finger picking guitar in the background. That's I, true. I, I, uh, and limited <laughs> musical experience. But I did. I did enjoy that nobody asked Dio for child support. <laughs> I did enjoy that. All right, guys, and with that, let's let me tell you guys about the new record from Ashes to New. Pennsylvania-based band from Ashes to New are back with their third studio album, Panic, which is out now on Better Noise Music. The album includes their new single and title track, Panic, as well as their new songs, What I Get, Scars That I'm Hiding, featuring Anders from In Flames and Bulletproof. You can stream the album wherever you listen to music and be sure to watch the gripping new video for Bulletproof. Once again, guys, new record from Ashes to New, Panic, is out now. And with that, let's jump into our interview with Robin from The Ocean. Metal Sucks Podcast. What's going on, everybody? It's Petter. Turning to the show. I got Robin from the ocean. We are here to talk about their new record, 
Fanriozoic 2, Mesozoic Cenozoic. So, and that is that coming out September 25th. Now, this is the conclusion that we started all the way back to Precambrian. This is the trilogy. Uh, Fanriozoic 1 came out a couple years back. Now, one thing I did want to bring up as we're talking about the ocean records is that Plagueial made the best of the decade list for many metal publications, ours included. It was in the top five for me. Now, however, you did state that the rare No Regrets album was Fanriozoic 1. So what regrets did you have on the Plagueial album in hindsight? Um, well, to say that Fanriozoic 1 was a No Regrets, no regrets album doesn't mean that Plagueial was, to be fair. I'm, uh, I'm also still pretty happy with that record, um, sound-wise and, and musically and comp- composition-wise. Um, but yeah, obviously some of the older material, you know, it's, it's just aged now. And then when you look back at it, um, you always find things that you're not happy with. I think the older a record is, the more likely that becomes. But um, I'm, I'm pretty much equally satisfied with Pelagial and Fenerozoic. Two, diff- two very different records, obviously. I think sound-wise, we've still um, made uh, some progress with Fenerozoic as compared to Pelagial. It already did sound really good, but it was the first record we had Jens Bogren work on. And it also always takes a bit of time to... Um, just to get to know each other and, and find the right approach to sound and to understand how, how um, yeah, how, how, how a band should sound. You know, that sometimes takes more than just one record to do. So I think we're closer to that with Fenrozoic than with Pelagial. But that said, it's still a very good sounding record. So altogether, I'm, I'm still pretty happy with both of these albums. Now, when you saw it get some of these best of lists um, for the decade, you know, one of the most important records of that decade in our, in our genre, in our heavy music world, um, did you did you feel a sense of justification, or did you always feel that record had that special place? Uh, well, I'm not the one to judge, right? Mm. Um, I think it's the people that essentially make that call, and I think Pelagial was a record that took a long time to like to be absorbed, and uh, that's why I think when it came out, a lot of people didn't really get it, and it was only later, like a year or two after the release, that. Um, that it got so popular and it's just a yeah it's it's a heavy long piece of music that's a bit hard to digest i guess so it's it's kind of clear to me why it doesn't click with everyone intuitively but um yeah i was very happy to to see that that this record uh got so much love (laughs) from all across the globe now let's let's go fast forward to the to the new record um me when i when i i remember when i first got heliocentric anthropocentric you know, back in the day, I knew that they were kind of done together, so I thought they would sound very similar. But those records sounded completely different, even though they were creatively done in the same time frame, which I thought was really special. And I think that's challenging for a band to do. You did it again with Fanry's Oak 1 and Fanry's Oak 2. Although there is a link to them, um, they sound completely different. This new one's very much more eclectic, I feel, um, than the previous one. Um, tell us a little bit about how you right when you know the rectors will be connected by the fan base well it's i agree it's two very different records and uh we kind of knew that already when we started the recording session um drums for both albums were recorded together in the same session in iceland in early 2018 and then we focused on finishing the first part first and then returned to the second part and by that time i already knew that uh, it's, it's quite different material i wanted um 
basically like most of the songs that ended up on Fenerozoic one were written over the course of one summer um and they had this very consistent vibe to it somehow so it was clear to me that they should be on one record and that whole yeah the whole record Fenerozoic one um was pretty clear to me the second half was a bit more difficult to grasp even uh until very late until just before the mix basically but that was also partially a matter of choice i didn't want to be too attached this time to my own um ideas of how i wanted certain things to sound and also things like song order and all of that i left open until the very last moment and it's the first time that i've done that the legend and phenerozoic one were kind of like really conceptualized um at an early stage and then everything was clear it was just like executed and with phenerozoic two there was a lot more improvisation in every regard um like even even with the mix and the and the song order the transitions between the songs all of that came came together quite spontaneously i would say and all i knew was that the more like the weirder tracks um i wanted to keep them for the second part which is because um i wanted to the first half to have that consistent vibe to it and the second half just to allow a little more um experimenting and, and exploring into directions we haven't really uh you know spent so much time exploring in the past and for fans that when you guys pick up the record, the, the first half, like you said, it does fit very well. It's Triassic, Jurassic, Cretaceous. The first two songs are the longer songs on the record. And by the time uh, there's an instrumental number, I think it's called uh, Oligocene. Is that correct? Did I say it yep. right? The instrumental. Yeah, song, yeah, that's right. Um, right before yeah. that, you have this this just really subtle melody and vocal, and you can see the shift on the record. It was done very to me conceptually very well so it's it's great that it was spontaneous now in, in the previous interview i had in iceland if i'm not mistaken the drums are the drums were recorded in an old pool correct that was turned into a studio yeah that's right an old swimming pool mm. and we recorded at the at the bottom of that yes that's that's i, I feel that i don't know why in my head just because i know that fact i feel like the sound sounds so crisp but I just, I think everybody needs to record in an <laughs> old swing pool. That's my new that's my new thing. So, um, ret- it's, it's great for drums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and returning on this record is is uh, Jonas from Catatonia. On the first album, he was part of kind of I don't call them the centerpiece songs because they're the longer songs, but the the songs that kind of they, they kind of engage you on a roller coaster of of a song. And on the first record, it was Devonian Nascent, and on this one, it was Jurassic Cretaceous. But you did have him guest on both of those longer songs. Tell me about that choice and, and how that worked out. Um, again, this was a very spontaneous last-minute thing here. We were not planning to have him on this record um, simply because the vocals were already written and we were struggling with finishing that record just because um, drums were already recorded um, by the time the first part was released, but then we spent pretty much all of 2019 on the road and we just didn't find those time windows to return to the studio to finish the record. Um, so we were struggling with that a little bit and recorded bits and pieces here and there and we weren't really thinking of uh, having any any guests on the record to be honest and then what happened was that um we were on tour with Lepris already and peter our synth guy he wasn't on the tour with us he had to stay at home and um so he was <laughs> he had a lot of time to work on on sounds and synths still and he came up with this new part um over an existing part in the song which didn't really fit with the, with the guitars and the vocals we had already recorded with Luik. And so someone was saying, um, let's just s- skip the existing parts and send it to Jonas and see what he'll do with it. And uh, that's what we did. We were on tour with Leprous at that time, and we just sent him the track. And 
three or four days later, uh, <laughs> we had files back from him. He was really into it. And uh, so, yeah, that, that again happened like maybe a week before the mix or two weeks before the mix uh, that we totally overhauled that uh, part as it was before. And I'm glad we did. It's great to have him uh, guest on the second half as well. It kind of makes sense. <laughs> but it was really planned from the beginning. Nice. No, I would. I see. You never know, man. I thought. I thought for some reason there was some sort of like, all right, we got to have you on here. But the spontaneity, I think, yeah. is really, really cool. Now, you did mention 2019, how much you guys toured as a band, and uh, you guys are when you guys go full blown on tour and you guys go the whole route. And on this um, new album, Fanriozoic Two, Paleozoic, uh, you will be releasing a 130-page photo book chronicling that touring cycle. Is that correct? That's right. Uh, yep. Tell us, tell us what you can about this book. Um, it's a collection of um, travel shots we took ourselves um, and live photography from uh, different photographers from all across the globe, basically. 2019 was a quite intense year for us. We started with a tour of India, uh, Australia and New Zealand in January, February. Then we did European summer festivals, and then we did this uh, extensive tour of uh, Russia, Belarus, Armenia, Georgia, Kazakhstan, and Japan, mostly countries we had never been to before, uh, before except uh, Russia. And that was just a mind-blowing experience in every regard. The shows, but not only that, also the whole uh, chance to get to experience these, these cultures and countries, um, not as a tourist, but as a, as a touring musician that was... Really exciting, and we have we had so much good footage um, from that trip that we just decided to collect it all. Uh, it, it was partially like um, a brainchild of COVID nineteen because we had this extra time available to us, and uh, it's it's something I wouldn't have committed to doing otherwise because it was so time consuming to compile all these pictures and uh, you know get high res images from the photographers uh, that, that took live pictures and to put it all together. But I'm really glad we did. It's uh, for, for us personally, it's just a really nice like visual diary of that crazy year. And I think um, for everyone else, it's a really nice insight into the life of a touring band outside of the typical uh, beaten paths of Europe and North America, you know, like touring in countries that a lot of people will probably never get to. And also aesthetically, it turned out really nice. It's, uh, it's divided into three chapters. The first and the, and the third chapter are mostly travel photography, and then the center chapter, the bigger one, is life photography. And we had a great team out, a team of uh, uh, a layouter and a guy who did the, all the image retouch, and it, yeah, it came out really, really nice. I don't have the physical copies yet, actually. They're uh, expected to arrive next week, but it's, it's going to be awesome. Uh, now it's exciting. Now I remember when I got the uh, the Collective Oblivion DVD. You guys had a booklet in the middle that had all this photography, and um, I did rewatch those, right. those three discs um, while uh, you know before the interview because I, I always like to just stay with the band for at least a week before I get to talk to them. And one of the things I thought was amazing is that when I was watching disc three, you guys did the it was like a three hour presentation of that year of touring. It was fantastic, and I, and it's one of my favorite. I guess, tour memos for anybody that wants to be in a band. Um, but while you're in China for the first time, you, you did mention, you're like, if this place gets a virus, because they, you said something in the DVD where everybody... <laughs> you're right. Yeah. I, I didn't even remember that. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> you're like, they're cleaning the elevator button after everybody touches it. And I'm like, this is crazy that he's yeah. saying. It's like almost 10 years ago. I don't know if it's quite 10 years. I think it was 2011. But um, that's... Uh, yeah, 2000. 
2013, but you're right. I just re- just remembered that. Yeah. yeah. Well done research, sir. <laughs> I didn't even remember that, but yeah, it's it's true. <laughs> so now now that we there were now that we're in the midst of this uh, COVID, and we have been for a hot minute now. What did you see? Like you said, the cleaning regimen and all those things that you were seeing out there. Um, do you feel that the world needs to adapt to that kind of cleaning regimen at this point to uh, kind of fight against what we're dealing with? Well, it has already, hasn't it? I mean, <laughs> I'm an American. If you look at what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to do that, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you... Yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah, it's 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 still a lot more serious over there, I guess. But in Europe, people got used very quickly to this new reality and and all these restrictions and just that. Yeah, the, the the distance keeping, you know, that that was completely unfathomable a couple of months ago, but now everybody's doing that, and I think people will continue to do that even after all this is over. Um, I don't know. For us Germans, it wasn't really that hard because you know we have this kind of like distant way of greeting, anyways. That's kind of like inherent in our culture. Um, I think it was more difficult for Brazilians and <laughs> all these countries where you give each other lots of hugs and kisses, mm-hmm. but. Um, yeah, like I, I think uh, everyone got got used very quickly to these new forms of behavior that were kind of like implemented from the top, but nobody questioned them. I, I guess everybody saw the necessity of it, and people got adapted to it pretty quickly. I think. See, and that's the key. I I believe that um, as far as where I see what I see is that that's kind of been a little bit of a struggle out here because um, I don't know. I don't know why, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, that's that's been the yeah. key. Is that uh, it's it's real important. And now you guys, I mean, I've seen videos of uh, some bands playing concerts. I've seen drive-in concerts out happening in Germany. I've seen the social distance concerts, uh, metal concerts, um, happening out there. Um, do you think that that is a really weird thing? <laughs> yeah, I was just about to. Bring that. I, I saw that the show. I don't want to you know bag on the band or anything like that because they're great. But I saw the destruction yeah. show, and I'm like, that looks yeah. Not fun, you know? So, um, yeah, so for you, though, um, do you feel like if you guys can't, because your band's so lively on stage, so energetic, Loic, uh, is I, I know people call him Luke, but how do you say his name? Loic? Loic. Loic, yeah. So, Loic, yeah. Vocalist Loic, stage diving, it happens all the time. You know, he's, he's one of those guys that have done that um, throughout his career. I don't know if he does it as yeah. much anymore, but the point is, is that the energy does capture you guys. Do you think that you can in any way compromise that, or do you think you have to at this point? No, we don't have to. We can also just wait it out, you mm-hmm. know. And um, like I had, I had the discussion a couple of days ago actually because we were supposed to play a festival um, in November, and uh, the promoter contacted me and asked me if it's okay for us to go ahead, um, given the facts that it will probably be like a seated show with maximum of 300 people in a 1500 cap venue. And, um, I'm, we haven't decided yet if we will do it. Uh, he wants to pretty much carry on with it as planned, but I'm thinking we can also just wait a little longer and do it next year. You know, it's like, I mean, obviously the reason why you go to a concert is to, to physically interact with the band and the people around you. And if that's not possible, for a while, we're not talking for the rest of our lives, you know, then I'd, I'd probably rather wait until it's possible again to enjoy that the way that we're all used to it and the way that we all appreciate uh, doing it. And um, there's other things you can do now. You can, you know, it totally makes sense in a video format to me to film like a great live gig without an audience 
that works. You know, mm-hmm. that's kind of like a distant medium anyways to watch something um, where you are like an external spectator watching something on the screen. So that that works great. But an actual, yeah, an actual gig with uh, an audience with lots of distance between them is uh, it, it's just a bit weird for me personally. <laughs> and I'm telling you right now, and I've actually said this on the show, people have heard me say, I'm like the compromise... I live here. In, I live out in Las Vegas, um, and so when they opened up the casinos, it was Father's Day, so it was a while ago. But my lady was like, "Let's just go do something for Father's Day, and then we can go to a casino. We'll wear the masks. We'll do that." I'm like, "Cool." So we get there. They check your temperature, and then there's these plastic partitions between each gaming machine, and you have to sit like three rows over. And we sat there for about yeah. 20 minutes, wearing headphones, looking at each other. And I'm like, I, this compromise just, it doesn't, like when there's rules in an environment that you feel yeah. a little reckless in, which to me is a metal show, um, you know, the, the adult, I don't want to say the adult version, but the, the grown up version of yourself, you, you know, you, if you can't let yourself go in certain environments, I feel like the same way. It's like, I just told her, I'm like, I'd rather just stay home until it's back to normal. Um, exactly. No, no matter yeah. what it is. And, um, and that it's, to me, I, I do understand that some bands can't do that, though, because I don't know how it works um, on the other side. Because you, you guys do get government assistance during this time, um, do like your artists and stuff like that, right? There is programs to help them out. We're out here. I don't think that's uh, occurring. Um, for well, there are certain programs here, but it's also not that easy to get access. I mean, mm. we've, we've been getting some sort of government funding for um, the last couple of years, which is great. That this even exists in a country like germany it's it's just awesome but it's not that you can just go to the go to the uh federal republic of germany and ask for money and they give it to you you know like uh, mm-hmm. because of COVID 19 there were some programs to support small-scale entrepreneurs um but it's nothing that will uh help you get through a longer period of time and then there's also always the risk that they will really check what you did with the money and you may have to pay it back you know if you can't prove what you used it for properly and so it's um i don't know i'd I'd rather stay out of it and Mm -hmm. uh luckily we're doing a lot of other things that uh, help us get by and we don't we're not in a position where we have to now you know do something to play shows um with Pelagic Records, it's it's been going great this mm-hmm. year. We've done a lot of releases. People are sitting at home and uh, are buying vinyl. So you know, for us, it's it's not really, it hasn't really been uh, that serious. Um, but yeah, obviously, a lot of people are are struggling. And um, and uh, for Luik and and Matthias and some of my other bandmates, it's it's also rough to just not have no income for the whole year. The whole festival summer was blown off as well, and. Um, yeah, it's 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 difficult, but it'll be over at one point, you know. And I think musicians are generally people that are capable of improvising and finding other solutions in difficult times to get by. I think it's more severe for the crew people, the sound guys and the the lighting designers, and you know those people. They have nothing now, really, and uh, and they really depend on that income. Yeah, no, that that's very true. I think a lot of fans always think there's only the five or six members in a band, but in actuality, there's always going to be five or six, maybe more on the other side that keep that exactly. show going. Who are, yeah. who, are, who are equally important. Mm-hmm. I mean, in our case, the the sound and lighting guys, uh, they're, they're kind of like band members. You know, We always go out with the same crew and the same group of people. They know us in and out, and they're the reason why we sound as we sound when you see the show live so they're not on stage with us but they are 
equally important as event members, I would say. Yeah, and I mean, especially your guys' live presentation. There's always there's usually a screen behind you from when I've seen you. You're backlit. There's a lot going on with your band presentation. It's and so in order to get all those cues right and all that stuff, you're right. It's it's virtually for anybody that's been in that industry, it's as vital yeah. as you know, a second guitar player for a lot of bands, like when, when you're presenting something like that. So, and you're right, there is no residuals. There's no Spotify streams. There's nothing to help them out, which is truly exactly. Yeah. You're completely right on that. So, um, moving on to not to dwell on, on, on this, cause you're right. I think, you know, and I, I'm, I just stay optimistic, but we're going to look back and we're going to say that year was rough. We're going to have, you know, more rough years down the road in our lives. But then when we're back on yeah. track, we can be like, hey, you know what? We're back on track. And you're right. It's, it's going to be, you know, just a matter just a matter of waiting it out. We're just impatient, which I get. Now, we were talking about the political records and the packaging you always guys do with all your material. If you guys haven't checked it out, make sure you do. But this record, the packaging, if I'm not mistaken, you guys are going to be selling a box set. Can you tell us? What's going to be involved in that box set for this record? Well, the box set was already released with the first part of the record, mm -hmm. Phanerozoic 1. And um, the idea is that now when the second part of the record comes out, um, you're supposed to put that second record into the box that you already have. Um, <laughs> the box is already sold out uh, with the first version. I, ah. I believe we have a couple of copies left in the shop because we got an over-delivery. So we had like 100 copies more than we ordered in the end. Uh, so there may be some 20 or 30 copies left, but it's pretty much sold out. Um, but yeah, the box set contains um, both records in the vocal and instrumental version and uh, engraved slate rock plate with, uh, with extra album artwork on it. And then um, the green box came with three prehistoric fossils from each era of the Phenerozoic, one from the Paleozoic, there was a trilobite, um, then an ammonite from the Mesozoic and uh, a petrified fish from the Cenozoic. And the brown box, which was limited to 750 copies, came with a choice of one of these fossils, basically. And then there was like a slip mat in it and, uh, and a bunch of other like smaller items. But yeah, I guess the, the box itself, the slate rock plate, the fossils and the vinyl was the main components. And putting all that together was a quite a challenge logistically <laughs> just mm -hmm. the uh you know like so sourcing this amount of fossils was really difficult um obviously you we were looking for something with relatively similar weight and size just for shipping reasons and for you know being able to fit it into the box and this is not something you can just uh, mass produce it's obviously things that are being found out in nature and uh we got great help from uh, a scientist from a geological institute in Munich, and she was really into the project and really helped us uh, with a lot of things. And in the end, uh, managed to source all these 350 million years old trilobites from trade fairs, like globally, over the course of a couple of weeks. And um, yeah, it was <laughs> it was a really challenging project, but I'm glad we did it. I think the box is. Uh, it's a beautiful piece of art, and uh, it's like the full experience of this record, you know, with everything it entails. Oh, dude, that's special. Who did you come up with that idea? That sounds so um, just amazing. That uh, you know, the idea itself. Did you come up with that yourself, or did someone kind of, you know, have, I have to? Uh, okay. I have to give some credits to my father. Ah. Um, he 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 kind of pointed that out when I was on holidays with him, and I told him about the next record concept, and he was like, "Oh, you should." why don't you look into fossils? And I was like, 
yeah, that could actually make a lot of sense. And uh, it was just a, a silly idea in the beginning, but then I started looking into it and it actually became feasible. <laughs> and so we did it. But yeah, my, my dad always has a, has a lot of good ideas. I have to give him credit for that. <laughs> And actually, he's he's on the DVD that I just that I just watched yesterday. Um, when you guys I think oh, yeah. went to the UK. Now, having a extremely supportive father like it seems like he is, and someone that you go to for things like that, how important is that for you as a creative person and for the ocean in general? It's been very very important. Obviously, I mean, my dad has always supported my music from the beginning. Not necessarily um, me pursuing like a professional career in it there was a healthy degree of skepticism t towards that but generally he's been really supportive uh, like even when i was a, a teenager going to hardcore shows you know and um yeah and that definitely has helped a lot and um and made me pursue this in a way so i'm i'm very thankful to him That's awesome. and he's a musician himself so he understands you know he's a he's a jazz musician he didn't really get the uh the aggression in our music in the beginning, but now he really does and comes out to gigs and stuff. And it's, it, it's just cool. Like I love my dad and I'm, I'm glad that he, uh, that he's still there when we play. <laughs> now that's really cool to me. Cause we always say on the show that the two greatest musicians we think alive are either playing jazz or metal. Right. And, uh, we know those genres exactly. are both like kind of niche genres, but composition wise jazz is improvisation more so and metal is going to be i don't think improvisation works as well in metal do you do you feel like i'm kind yeah. of off base there no it's true right like metal has to be a little more like thought out but jazz is all the the beauty of it is improvisation is that kind of yeah yeah fair absolutely to say? yeah and so yeah. Gr growing up in that environment have you ever tried to write a song uh for the ocean via the improvisation route to be honest, not really. Um, but I mean, since you're relating that to my father, it's also quite normal that kids usually don't like to follow in their father's footsteps. And I hated jazz when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> so I, it's, it, it was not something that ever spoke to me until I turned like 20 or yeah, in my early 20s, I started listening to jazz. But uh, my dad didn't really manage to make that click with me. But um, yeah, the ocean is obviously completely different from that approach. It's it's composed music. Um, we're not even like really jamming or rehearsing. It's usually like uh, me or like now on the new record, there's actually three songs that Paul initially wrote, but the songwriting happens uh, kind of in a restricted environment, like in isolation almost, you know, <laughs> even without COVID. It's just, uh, we like to sit down and, and, and work on songs on our own. And, um, and then, we bring it to the room and then obviously everybody has their input and we start working on them and tweaking them and changing things around. And then the creative process enters like the second phase, but it's still nothing uh, that I would call improvisation. It's usually that we meet with a pretty clear idea of what we want to do. And then sometimes unforeseen things happen. And actually uh, the rehearsal session before we started recording the Phenerozoics was the first time when we ever really did that. We really rehearsed for a month every day, and um, the material was like really well tested and well rehearsed by the time we entered the studio. That was new for us. I mean, Pelagio was mostly written, recorded, and then we started thinking about uh, how how to do that live and actually to to learn to play the songs. That was like after the album was recorded. 
Oh, that's that's cool. By the way, you just uh, you just reiterated one of my biggest fears is that my kids are not going to be into heavy metal. I named one of my sons Dio. <laughs> Dio has to like heavy metal. If he's like, I'm not into this dad, I'd be like, dude. You know, like, <laughs> You're going to be a sad dad. I'm going to be a sad dad. I don't know. So I don't know the approach. I think the approach is just to have it around the house and never tell them to listen to it. And just hopefully one day they'll pick up the album artwork and be like, what's this? And just go with it. Yeah. And just that that's my approach. But I can't force it on them because everybody's told me that. Be like, you know, your kids are probably going to listen to rap or something, right? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I named, it, I named him after one of the greatest things of all time. He's going to be like, dude, I got to, I got to, you know, do something with metal. But we'll see, we'll see how it turns out. He's, he's one years old. I got, I got a long ways to go. I got a long way. I guess you'll be able to figure it out. Just, I guess you'll be able to see if he's like dancing along to the music you're playing, or if he reacts in any way to it. So I guess you'll have a bit of an idea whether he's going to be into that. He dances to beats right now, which scares me because that's that's more of hip hop. You know, <laughs> he's not dancing to riffs. Right. He just kind of looks around. But when beats are happening, his whole body dances. <laughs> so I'm like, uh oh. All right, well, well, we'll break out of that. I ain't worried about it. Um, kids like everything until they're. <laughs> 10 i don't know 11 well i'm guessing yeah <laughs> then your taste starts getting a little more intricate yeah yes True. exactly so one more time i want to tell everybody i got one more question for you because I, I love the lyrics on this on this album but everybody fenerozoic 2 mesiozoic seniozoic i hate the fact that i can never say things right i, I was close there right? <laughs> mesozoic cenozoic is coming out September twenty fifth. Right. I got it. See everybody, I got it. Uh, September twenty fifth. Make sure you guys are pre ordering this record. Make sure if you guys haven't picked up Phanerozoic One, you do that right away. It's a fantastic record. We talked about Pelagula. We talked about Heliocentric. We talked about Anthropocentric. We talked about Precambrian. Guys, if you haven't gone down this rabbit hole of the ocean, you need to. It's been one of my favorite bands the last I don't know fifteen years now. Um, so I want everybody to make sure and make sure if you have a chance, the ocean, uh, collective oblivion DVD, three discs. Okay. I'm telling you that the third disc is a documentary on a fantastic year long tour. You've got live, uh, concerts on the first disc or no, the first disc, is the history of the band. Second disc, you got live shows, dudes, everything you guys put out is so, like I said, it, it's so based on for the fans. And I so appreciate that. Cause a lot of times it's, uh, it's not, it's kind of quantity over quality but you won't put anything out without quality. So I truly appreciate that. So make sure you guys are checking it out. So the last question I wanted to ask you there, Robin, is the lyrics on this album, they're written... Um, now, despite the conceptual titles of the songs, the lyrics are written from a human perspective, and it's following an, a Nietzsche philosoph- philosophy, if I'm not mistaken. Now, tell us about how you tie the, this together, the human and the nature. Well, in this case, um, there's there's basically two threats going through both of these records. One is like the um, paleontological threat uh, connecting with Earth's history, the respective eras and whatever happened there. Um, you also see that reflected in the song titles, which are referring to the periods, the subordinate periods of the eras. And then there is the kind of meta level that is approaching it uh, from the human perspective, obviously, just because we're talking about a time on Earth when there was no human life and lyrics sung by a by a singer who's a human being obviously have to transcend that a little bit. And uh, we've kind of always done that with Pelagio. It was similar. Pelagio was this record that was like the journey from the surface to the bottom of the sea. But the lyrics were an analog journey from the surface uh, of the human mind into the, you know, the depths of the psyche, basically. And in the case of the Phanerozoic records, most of the lyrics are orbiting um, about around the idea of e- eternal recurrence 
which is a Nietzschean idea, although it's much older than that, actually. It's the idea that um, the same things basically happen over and over again in infinite time and space. And um, a concept of time that is cyclical um, rather than linear, basically. And um, yeah, most of the lyrics on the record are going back to that. And we're also putting that into perspective of the Phanerozoic. If you look at what happened during the Phanerozoic, you see countless, uh, I don't want to say evidence, but like examples of uh, eternal recurrence. Continents have drifted apart and collided and drifted apart again. And uh, we've already seen um, various forms of life, like coral reefs, for example, on the Earth, like hundreds of millions of years ago, they disappeared, then they researched, came back in different spots. So there's like lots of examples for that. And uh, you can also look at it from the perspective of your individual lifespan, um, experiences you make or, um, you know, like learning from your mistakes uh, is essentially something that is also related to eternal recurrence. Is that even, is it even possible to learn from our mistakes if uh, the universe is set up like that? So those are some of the questions we're, we're dealing with. And um, in the case of uh, the second part of Phanerozoic now, um, you can already see it in the album artwork. Um, the big topic here is what happened at the end of the Cretaceous period, uh, which is when this asteroid hit the Yucatan Peninsula and nowadays Mexico and wiped out the dinos and uh, pretty much all other life on Earth. And here again, we're taking that to the human perspective by imagining an impending uh, planetary collision or like an impact in, in our in our time, basically. And that... Um, that brings you to Lars von Trier's Melancholia movie. And this is uh, a large uh, influence on the record, basically. You, you, like uh, this, this impending collision is uh, going throughout the lyrics, the artwork. It's pretty much everywhere. The film that we're making for Pleistocene um, is also going to deal with that. And um, yeah, so you have these, you, these two um, threats, basically, these two connected threats it's like a yeah it's like a, it's like a double helix you know <laughs> they're like kind of revolving around each other um but they're kind of like separate uh, trains of thoughts wow no and that's i didn't had i did not put together uh, melancholia the that if people haven't seen this the movie with kirsten dunce it's fred lars frontier and Kiefer sutherland and yes that does come together um it makes a lot of sense when you brought it up that way i didn't even think about that but uh, she almost got nominated for an oscar for that movie guys i'm not positive but her performance was pretty astonishing in that film so make sure you guys do check yeah, yeah. that out yeah for sure and lyrically brilliant so, movie yeah it's a brilliant yeah it's a great movie and i have it upstairs luckily i, I own this one so i can, I can actually uh I can actually right. check it out guys so but um I, I do want to i love talking the lyrics because a lot of times when you look at the title sometimes people don't get it but uh, I remember when I went back and read uh, Hegeopelagic 2, Let Them Believe. It's it's one of my favorite songs you guys have ever did. The lyrics are so relevant to what was happening just a couple months ago and everything that's happening right now to me. I remember reading that and being like, this is something that speaks to what we're dealing with right now. And um, I think a lot of people should go back and read some of those lyrics and kind of see where you guys are coming from. But it's, it's a really real, real cool, uh, the, the fact that you put that together and that you you have this message that, as much as it's universal and as much as it's misinterpreted, the fact that we do get to understand that on the human element and the the nature element is very, very special. And so I want to thank you for that, man. But most of all, everybody, once again, make sure 
as we're talking about art up here. Fanriozoic 2. Make sure you guys are pre-ordering it. It's coming out September 25th. With that, Robin, it's always a pleasure to have you on the Metal Sucks podcast, my friend. Thank you very much for your time. Pleasure being here.
Metal Sucks Podcast.
All right, guys, and we are back. First song you heard is off the latest record from the ocean, Jurassic Cretaceous, featuring Jonas from Catatonia. That song is off the new record, Vanriozoic 2, Mesozoic, Seniozoic. So make sure you guys are pre-ordering that record. Like I said, one of my favorites of the year for sure. We will be playing a song later uh, in November when we do our best of list for sure. So make sure you guys are pre-ordering that. Next song you heard is from Varg. Their new record, Zeichen, is out September 18th. That is the title track from the record. If you guys checked out, make sure you're pre-ordering that record. Once again, Zeichen, or Zeichen, Z-E-I-C-H-E-N. Make sure you guys are checking that out. It's coming out September 18th. So with that, guys, we had some really sad news this week. We've had a, a lot of people pass away in the last couple of weeks um, that we did not discuss on the show. Fra- Frankie Benali from uh, Quiet Right, Pete Way from UFO. Um, all of them did tragically pass away, and there was a lot of great tributes to those guys. But this week, uh, Riley from Power Trip passed away at 35 years old. We, we don't have a lot of the information on what happened. Nothing's out there right now. We just know that um, Fox News gave him a, a shout-out on one of their programs to Riley Gale, and they said he died in his sleep. That's, that's all the information we have right now. I'm sure things might come out as this episode goes. But the point is is that um, Power Trip was one of those bands that obviously were extremely important to the um, younger generation of metalheads. And I almost had a chance to interview Riley. What ended up happening is that a lot of times with our show, sometimes we overbook and we'll have like six interviews lined up, and that takes out six weeks. And obviously, I don't want to do an interview in January that I'm going to air in March. As you can see this year, that shit might not be relevant. So I've always, we've always tried to keep it where we only do two, three, four at a time. And uh, Riley was coming to Las Vegas. Power Trip was. The interview was offered. And this was during Nightmare Logic after that made a lot of the best of the lists that year when it came out. And unfortunately, we could not make that interview fit. And I, in my mind, I was like, dude, I'll get to talk to them on the next record cycle for sure. That's the big push. Nightmare Logic put the seed in, and the next record was going to be the one to take them over the top. And I really, really wanted to get that interview with him after that fact because I missed the opportunity. Um, did go see Power Trip that night. They played in Las Vegas. And the one thing I can tell you about that band when I saw them um, at that time was there's a lot of metal bands in that era, in that generation that's, that I think Power Trip are a part of. But nobody captured fun like those guys did. And those are the bands that stay with us the most. And um, he was a huge part of that. When I look at a band like the Black Dahlia Murder, you know, the fun that they always exude at the live shows has made them such an important piece to our life as metal fans. Power Trip had that, you know. Going back a little while, Municipal Waste had the same feeling if you saw them live. The bands that are fun. And a lot of bands from that generation, that Power Trip, I think, were rising with. If the Gate Creepers, the uh, Paul Bearers, all those things. They added different elements to the metal sphere. But uh, Power Trip was the fun one. They were the band that you left and you're like, this is what we're here for. Just to have drink some beers, laugh, and, and, and scream some thrash, death, whatever type of music. But Power Trip really left it on the stage. So... We lost uh, a very important part to the next generation of metal, you know, um, in, in, in his presence on that stage. I don't know if Power Trip will continue. You know, bands have many times, and, and it's very possible they will, but this is a blow for us and our scene without a shadow of a doubt. So with that, us here at the Metal Sucks Podcast, our condolences go out to Riley, his family, his band, his friends, and all the metal heads out there that are grieving this week for um, this tragedy. 
So with that, I want to thank everybody out there for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.